Uh, I think ultimately they are going to get in again, can't afford to slip up against Wake. But right now, you know, the bracketologists, uh, everybody who's Ugh. got everybody who's got them in is like the last team. That feels fair. And I did see something on Twitter that I thought you'd appreciate. And it was like uh, a text from an NC State fan saying, I don't actually know what it feels like to be firmly in or out of the NCAA tournament because I feel it's like never, it's never happened. We've lived on, like, the, it, we've it, lived no. on the bubble. <laughs> it's not never, but it, it's very, yeah, when was very the last frequently. Time? <laughs> Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow, and I've really started off today super well by leaving my phone in my husband's car um, who then drove to Clayton, for those who don't know, that's like 20-some minutes away from Raleigh. Um, and he was dropping our kid off at school, so I had to like, I had no way of really getting him to turn around by the time I realized it and had to go to his work to get it. And it's not the first time I've done that. I'm not sure which part of that is the saddest. Um, coming off a, a little bit of a late night, I guess, even though it was a 7 o'clock game in Durham last night. Um, super fun. So anyways, I'm here drinking coffee and uh, might need Brendan Marks from The Athletic who <laughs> uh, covers the triangle and mostly Duke and Carolina, if we're being honest, but the yeah. triangle as yes. a whole. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll sort of loop NC State in there. <laughs> oh boy, it, that doesn't just sort of symbolize this area um, from a national standpoint. Yeah, I don't know what does. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it really does. Um, I don't think anything about last night was super unexpected to me. Um, NC State losing by double digits. Um, I think the only result that really would have shocked me last night is if State had won by like 30 points again. That would have shocked me. Um, but even if State had won, it wouldn't have shocked me. And for a minute there, with the way State played in the first half, um, especially early on, it looked like that's what was going to happen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I thought, you know, 10 minutes in, Duke's down eight, and Markel Johnson is just absolutely eating alive on the ball screens. And it looked a lot like, okay, here we go again. Um, you know, I was talking to people sitting around me on press row and were saying – this is exactly the same way that Duke looked when Stephen F. Austin came in and beat them. And this is the same way that Duke looked when NC State carved them up the first time around. So I, I was right there with you. I was totally expecting the same thing to happen. And then Kay sort of pulled trigger and was like, all right, this is not happening. Yeah, he was super energetic last night, really into it. Um, and that wasn't hugely surprising to me. I think... Uh, you know, a lot of Duke fans expressed some consternation at his response to um, to like the way that they lost the Virginia game because he was overwhelmingly positive. But I, that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, you have to, as the saying goes, and I think State learned this last night, you have to make shots. And State had a lot of shots. They good looks that they were getting even even against Duke zone, which sort of seemed seemed to stymie them a little bit. But they were getting looks against it. I don't think. They had a ton of possessions that, you know, that made you go, oh, what are you doing? I mean, they were getting looks, you know, from the elbow, from the free throw line. You know, they were getting the ball. They were getting paint touches against the zone. Right. But, you know, it's just the way that the strategy shifted made it so that, like you said, it sort of neutralized what they were doing with the ball screens and, and Markel wasn't able to get in the paint. 
And that makes things a lot harder when you put state in that kind of game. But I don't think, you know, I don't think state did anything wrong. Just like Duke at Virginia, I don't know that they did anything wrong. And, and they talked about that after the game a little bit. I think like that they didn't feel the same type of way that they did after the loss at state or after the loss at wake um, after the Virginia game. And I don't, I didn't think they should have. I know some Duke fans felt otherwise, but I really didn't. Yeah, you know, the thing about that Virginia game that was weird to me, just in the locker room, was there what I mean, you you mentioned it. There was this like disconnect between the way that they felt and the way that like, you know, you walked in and Trey Jones is like head is hung, he is like hurting, hurting. And then you go back out and Kay's like, you know what? They they tried. It was a one possession game. It happens. Uh and and I was just sort of confused about that at first, but it does make sense because I agree with you that they didn't do didn't really do anything wrong against Virginia. They missed shots. Maybe they weren't as aggressive. Maybe guys like Wendell Moore and Cassius Stanley need to, you know, put on their big boy pants a little bit more uh, and actually like drive to the basket and attack. But no, I thought NC State last night. Uh, you know, Kevin Keats said that he liked the way that Helms played. Um, you know, I thought at times maybe maybe there's a couple of small things that they could have done differently. Uh, Definitely some bad turnovers at right, times. For sure. Right, yeah. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing that stood out to me. But as far as strictly shot selection, no. I thought that those were good looks and they just weren't going in. And that's basically what Keith said. And, and the counter effect of that is once those shots don't go in, once you come up with three or four empty possessions and on the opposite end you're getting scored on every time, that's when you start to hang your head. And that's when it went from like a three to a five point game to a 15, 20 point game. And, and you see that so often at Cameron, like state is far from the only team, even the only good team to have that happen to them where it's like, you, you know, you, you get on one of those roles where you're missing shots and they're making everything and they're getting out in transition. And, you know, it just sort of, is this, it's like a snowball rolling downhill. Now, defensively, they weren't great. I mean, but I thought they came out great in the first, you know, half-ish of that game, maybe first 15 minutes. Like, they were super intense. They were, you know, knocking balls away, getting turnovers, and and really pesky defensively. And Duke was missing some looks, though. I mean, they were getting some corner threes. I swear, Duke must have must be, like, setting the record for corner threes missed. Maybe that's just me, but I'm at the <laughs> point now where, like, when one of them gets a good look at a corner three, like a statistically very good shot, you just go, yeah, they're going to miss that. Yeah. And I don't have a good reason for that. They have missed as many corner threes as Trey Jones has made those little elbow jumpers when he's on the run yeah. that's they, yes. they have swapped out those two shots he's he's decided that we're not going to make any more corner threes um yeah no i think the other thing that really killed nc state last night was like that was i would say as much of a transition offense as duke has had all year um and that yeah. is that is the one thing that duke does have that i don't think they've exploited as much as they could this year i mean with guys like wendell moore and cassius stanley like give them the ball and let them run like, let them get downhill. Let them attack the basket. They're good enough passers, and other than occasionally Wendell Moore when he gets a little loose with his handle, I think they're they're strong enough in transition that that's something where not only can it be an effective offensive tool, but it's going to energize you. And, I mean, you saw that last night. Cameron went from, you know, a little bit of lemon booty, uh, even if you can have that with 10 minutes left in the first half, to – being completely crazy again so it was it was yeah, it was a weird game it was a weird night it is weird <laughs> you know what's funny is like i'm looking at the stats and i'm looking at like nc state's turnover percentage on D- on offense and i would have thought it were it was way higher 
I really would have like, but it just felt like there was no, there were no like live. It felt like all their turnovers were live ball turnovers. It it felt that way at the time anyway. And then certainly every missed shot, Duke got it. NC State didn't. That rebounding decided the first matchup and it definitely decided this one. So if you want to quibble with that, that's fine. Um, You know, if you're a state fan and I understand, um, but I'll say this. I, I don't know. I'm not a bracketologist, which shouldn't even be a word. Um, <laughs> what a like career just, field, right? <laughs> just really. I mean, do you go to bracketology <laughs> school for that? Do you do an? Do you do a residency? Like, it, what it, are we talking about? Yeah, it's it's absurd. But hey, you got to make the money. Make that money. I I just think you know, and, and just looking at state's resume and what they've done, um, I think. It, right now, yes, they'll need to beat Wake. We know that. And yes, they'll need to probably win at least one game in the ACC tournament, uh, maybe even two, if you want to get crazy with it, I guess. But I, I just think I, I think they've done enough at the, uh, if they do those things. You know, I mean, they, they their out-of-conference schedule is, I think, 88. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's still that's top half of the country it's way better they have a lot of quad one and two wins um it's helped them i think that georgia tech and clemson have kind of climbed back into the you know higher quadrant or whatever so that mitigates some of their losses but um and virginia playing well has certainly helped as well um and wisconsin yeah wisconsin too and i mean i just don't think i know they've lost some silly games but i feel like everybody in college basketball has lost some silly games um and they've, I, I just feel like they've done enough if they do those things. That's an if, certainly. Yeah. And I, and the frustration I think some from state fans is like where the the effort and intensity that we saw against Duke for the whole game, and then again for the first part of this one, it's like where is that against Pitt? If you have that against Pitt, you're not sweating out the final minutes, you know. And I understand right. that part. And and if they don't have that against Wake, they're going to be in trouble too. Right. If if State beats Wake, they'll finish 10 and 10 in the conference. And at that point, not only do they have the 500 conference record, people want to talk down about the ACC. I am sort of of the mindset that I, I don't totally buy into that. Um, I mean, I think you look at obviously people like North Carolina and Syracuse, the historical powers, they're not having the good years. So everybody thinks that, oh, the ACC is terrible. But the ACC has some good teams. It might be a little top heavy, but the ACC still has good teams. And he, you know what I think the AC's problem is? Because I've been trying to dig into this a little bit after what Coach K said last night. And he sort of said, like, look, basically his implication was like, we're going to schedule tough. Carolina's always going to schedule tough. Um, but the rest of the league has to help us. And I was looking at, you know, the out-of-conference schedule ranks. And, you know, I, I sorted out with ACC and Big Ten just to see. And, like, of those, of all of those teams, the three – Two, three of the four worst non-con schedules are ACC teams. And I mean, look, it's Pitt, Pitt and Virginia Tech had no business scheduling tough in the non-conference anyway, so I'm not attacking them for that. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame probably could have afforded to schedule a little better. Um, and, and there's teams like that that both didn't schedule great in the non-con, like NC State did a great job of doing, and they didn't get those wins. And I think what you're also seeing is like ACC teams that have sort of, it took them some time to find their legs, whereas some of those Big Ten teams were able to get some wins in the non-con that gave them some legitimacy so that when they started beating each other up, it wasn't as bad as when the ACC did. And the ACC doesn't have a Northwestern or a Nebraska. Right. You know, in a, in a lot of ways, those teams help you out some because they're bad. No, they absolutely <laughs> do. Everyone wants to talk about how good the Big Ten... This is not... I'm not meaning this yeah. to come off as Big Ten bashing by any means. But, like, 
if if you had to take a random collection of five teams in the ACC versus a random collection of 10 teams in the Big Ten, I still think that I might take the ACC to win the majority of those games. I certainly would right now. Right. I mean, like, I think that especially at the top level, uh, you know, Maryland, I understand, but like Duke pretty easily handled Michigan State when they played like Illinois, Wisconsin, like these are not teams that have like run away with things. These are teams that it feels like all of them have had three game losing streaks. Like the, the, the silly college basketball season that we talk about in the ACC is not just something that we are afflicted with. It's something that is nationwide. And yeah, 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 I, I just, I don't know. I also think too that you know efficiency numbers factor into both Net and Ken Palm. And yes, they're somewhat schedule adjusted, but um, you know the ACC, especially offensively, did not have a good start to the season. There are some teams that are sort of finding their way, but you know that I don't think has helped because you know when you, everybody starts off kind of poor offensively, you don't have anything to bolster. Um, your efficiency numbers with, especially when they're weighted, when, you know, your offense is going up, you know, when you're when your defense is going up a team against a team that's offensive rating is already kind of low. I mean, Virginia's offense looks way better than it did at the beginning of the year, but it's still in the 200s in Ken Palm. Right. And and this is my, that's that sort of goes along with my last theory about why I agree with you. And I think NC State should be in. I don't think it is entirely. I mean, especially this year, I think looking at the full body of work is going to get diluted a little bit. I think that you have to look a lot more at, okay, who are the best teams right now? Um, and I know it's sort of hard to quantify that at times, but like a Virginia is obviously playing themselves into a higher seed line. If, if you're just hit looking at Virginia's body work from earlier in the year, it's a completely different team now. Their, their, their roster, their lineups, they've all been completely reshaped. Um, Diakite, Kihei Clark, they're playing entirely different roles. It's the same way with NC State. NC State, when they're when they've been fully healthy, when they've had CJ Bryce, um, and, and they're still getting there to some extent with you know Braxton and everything, but they oh he won't be right. No, he, he he's just going <laughs> to keep playing her. And, and the best they can hope for is that Andre getting some rest will maybe let him come in and hit some threes off the bench, um, which is something he hasn't done this year. And that's something they brought him in to do. And uh, Danny Dixon coming off the bench is a big guy. He was a grad transfer. And, you know, we've seen this some in the ACC with not just state, but like that just hasn't worked. Um, and, yeah. and he's he's no offense to Dixon, but he's barely playable. Yeah. Um, he, he's a huge liability when he's in the game, but Manny Bates and DJ Funderburg get in foul trouble all the time and he has to have some stretches in there. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, it's, just sort of is what it is with the injury thing. And Keith said it last night. He's like, look, everybody has injuries and he's right. Everybody gets banged up to some degree. And, and um, I'll be curious really to see what state looks like next year when he gets his full compliment. Everybody on that team is a, a Keats guy at that point. So let's see, you know, I mean, you look at Devin Daniels and watch him last night as you know, the game's over. Um, and everybody knows that, but he's still out there like diving on the floor and doing all kinds of stuff. And and that's the culture I think Keats wants to sort of instill. And, and he's sort of emblematic of that to me. Yeah, I, I really like Daniels. But just, I mean, when he is playing the way that he played in that first Duke game, when Markel is playing the way he played in that first Mar- Duke game, uh, you know, Manny didn't do much, but, but Thunderbird had a great game almost. I mean, not quite staying bucket for bucket with Kerry. Um, but at their best, NC State is a team that I wouldn't want to play. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to meet this team in the tournament. Uh, I think ultimately they are going to get in. Again, can't afford to slip up against Wake. But right now, you know, the bracketologists, uh, everybody, who's got, everybody who's got them in is like the last team. That feels fair. And I did see something on Twitter that I thought you'd appreciate. And it was like, 
uh, a text from an NC State fan saying, I don't actually know what it feels like to be firmly in or out of the NCAA tournament because I feel it's like never, it's never happened. We've lived on, like, the, it, we've well, lived on the bubble. <laughs> it's not never, but it's it very, yeah, when was very the last frequently. Time? <laughs> I, I honestly, I feel like... I feel like they were pretty comfortably in in 2013, but everybody felt so badly about that team by the end of the year, the CJ Leslie team, yeah. that nobody really cared at that point. Um, but that was the last time I feel like they were pretty solidly in. Yeah. Um, and even that, I think they were an eight, eight, nine. Um, yeah. So, you know, obviously you're not su- super, super in at that point, but right. Um, God, it would have probably been dating back to Herb, right? Herb that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it's just been it. So, like, for me, having moved to the Triangle, like, maybe 15 years or so ago, uh, I have never really felt like in that time there was an NC State team that I was like, yes, definitely NCAA tournament team. Um, right. Except for, like you said, maybe that CJ Leslie team. But by the end, it was sort of like, oh boy, you who can, cares? Yeah, you can already feel this going off the rails. Yeah, and it, it, I do want to circle back before we move on to something that Kay, like a little bit of an extension of what Kay was talking about. Um, this is the first year of the 20-game slate in the ACC, and I think that some of the other teams in the league, although to be fair, like some of the teams in the league, like looking at you, Notre Dame, hello, were doing this <laughs> even before um, the 20-game schedule. But uh, what he's sort of saying is like, hey, guys, help us out. You know, like schedule better, win some games and help the rest of the league out because it, it is more of a knock against the league when um when you schedule that way and you're you know you're not able to get enough done in the non-conference for it to sort of bolster the rest of the league even when you start improving and playing better i mean boston college is they have all, all of their top 100 ken palm wins have come in league play like yeah that's stupid right you know like and they they got humiliated in the non-con and you know that doesn't that never reflects well on your league and and they're the lowest rated acc team at 149 and that's not bad that's an improvement on past acc seasons where you had at least one or two teams that were just god awful yeah but oh my god i just went back and looked at boston college (laughs) look at at that schedule oh boston college lost by 18 points to Northwestern. Northwestern is a bad basketball team. They have seven wins. Northwestern is not a good basketball team, and they beat Boston College. It at, at Boston College lost at home by 18 points to Northwestern. Yeah, why don't you do the weird home thing to other teams? Yeah, that's, oh my God, wow. <laughs> yeah, they also lost by 15 to Belmont at home, and Belmont is not a bad team per se, but no. you know they got housed by Richmond at Richmond. Yeah. Like, they lost by 10 to St. Louis at home. Whoa. I mean, it, these are just not good results. And like, when your best win out of conference is South Florida, and then you get into league play and start knocking off like decent teams, that's not a good look for the league. Like, yeah. just be bad or don't. And that's, that's, I think, been the biggest detriment to the ACC, but also some of the scheduling. I mean, Virginia, some of it was bad luck, I think, with Virginia in terms of, of like the way some of these teams have worked out on their schedule but um their non-con was 211 and you know when you look at the marquee programs in this league uh fsu was 108 nothing wrong with that state state 84 uh duke was six and carolina was 18 in Mm non-con like and louisville was 30 like that's how the marquee programs in this league schedule and that's how virginia 
uh, you know, needed to schedule. I mean, look, when you schedule like a Vermont, I think you do expect Vermont to be a little better. Um, they can't help Arizona State was horrible. Stony Brook's usually pretty solid. They're a little worse than that. So yeah, um, and there's but the, and they, there's the local ones you got to do. You got to do the JMU thing. Um, I, I, I yeah yeah, but I, I I'm right there with you. I mean, the other thing about the ACC this year, and I think you know Kay has touched on this pretty frequently throughout the season, is he has I, I, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm misreading the situation, maybe I'm new. Uh, but it, it seems like <laughs> you got your first verve last night. I was I so happy for you. I, I did. And I still don't totally understand it. <laughs> um, That's okay. No one does. Right. Yeah. I don't even know if Kay does. Um, but the thing, the th- it feels like he has been not just him, but he and Keats and, and Roy Williams, they've all been especially vocal this year about trying to talk up the league. And I don't know if that is more a product of, a, other leagues have had strong years with, you know, the Big Ten, the Big East, uh, the Big 12. I don't know if it's a product of that and feeling like you're not getting the attention you usually do. I don't know if it's feeling like the, the basketball is actually worse this year. I mean, the ACC is on track to not have a one seed. I think I saw a stat. Uh, this is going to be the fourth time since 1990 that neither North Carolina, Kentucky, nor Duke is going to get a one seed. Um, wow. Which is which is pretty crazy. Um, I mean, I do think it's still on the table for Duke, but they'd have to do a lot. They need some help. I, they need to win out. And and they need some help, I think. They would need... Probably. Because if Kansas is a one, if Gonzaga and San Diego State run the table and Baylor, yeah. Baylor wins the SC, uh, the, their tournament, then they're going to get the last one. Yeah. So, yeah that's so, true. So, and maybe maybe they're behind Maryland at this point. Who knows? Um Maybe it's just, Maybe. yeah, I, I just feel like they have been, and, and you could probably speak to this better than I can because you've been around for longer. Um, but it feels like they have taken more of the onus of promotion. And that's not something that I necessarily would have expected before the season started. Yeah. I mean, I do think they understand that the, league's perception matters to them too so you know I heard some talk last night in the media room that oh well this is maybe him trying to lobby for a one seat or whatever I think maybe that's part of it but I mean we've seen Kay speak to issues also that don't have anything to do with Duke necessarily um, and just have to do with college basketball and I think in his older years he's sort of starting to want to have opinions about things that matter. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of the ACC coaches speak on this. Jim Laranega has talked a lot about it too, about the ACC, like not being as bad as people say. And, um, you know, I was shocked at like my, like Miami's non-conference resume. Like that was actually surprisingly good. I mean, they beat Illinois, I believe at Illinois. Wow. I mean, I think that that was who beat Illinois. Oh my God, right. They did. Yeah. Like, so like, it's not, you know, there's this perception that the ACC is here and, and everybody else is, you know, here, but I think what they're trying to say a little bit is like, hey, this is college basketball this year, man. Like, there's no, you know, just because you think the Big Ten is here, I mean, sorry, we don't have a team falling on the sword and being that like god awful team, but they just don't have that. Right, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Boston College is like, I think their point differential was like minus a hundred something, and they're like in seventh place in the ACC, whereas Carolina's is like minus thirty something, and they're in last. Right, <laughs> right. I, I, you know. yeah. It's it, that's the thing. I mean, it's not just the blue, but I, I go back to the scheduling thing too like you said like okay if you're a team like clemson and you have a better non-con do you potentially have more of an argument for being on the bubble right now yeah i think also for clemson though it was really what they did in the non-con um 
they actually were 73. Uh, no, they're 182 in schedule, which is eh, but it's not horrible. But they went one and four in quad one and two. Yeah, they lost to Colorado, lost to Minnesota. You know, and Minnesota is sort of the, the the bottom feeder of the of the Big Ten, like we said. <laughs> Minnesota's like the poster child of why the net is bad. Yeah. They're 46. They're 46 in net. Are they actually? Yes. Oh. And that was and they fell recently. Oh my god. And like when they lost to Maryland in that close game, there was talk from the, you know, bracketologist yeah. that like, oh, they missed a huge opportunity to like get off the bubble. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, Ken Ken has still got them at 31st overall, despite the fact that they have lost seven of their last nine games. Yeah, and I mean, we all know Ken Palm doesn't factor in, uh, you know, they don't, he does not factor in wins and losses. That's my PSA to everybody. Um, it's all efficiency numbers. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's why, you know, and I think too, like it's, it's weird and we can, we can move on shortly, but like a team like Purdue, for instance, is really loved by the stats. And I think part of that is because when they win, they just look amazing. Right. Um, and when they lose, they look like garbage. And I think, you know, you don't get that as much in the in the ACC. I feel like there have been some blowouts, but not a ton. Um, it, it's been mostly, you know, and Duke's capable of it, and they do it from time to time. But it's been mostly like um, you're not padding your efficiency numbers in a lot of these games because you're sort of having to eke it out against a team that maybe isn't all that different from you. Right. I've I've heard that argument with with Duke. You know, sort of around around the college basketball world is that. When Duke has won, it hasn't been they're, – they're not ever blowing out any elite teams. I mean, the Kansas game, the Florida State game, uh, you know, though, even Michigan State is probably the, their, their best margin of victory against uh, a really good team. So I think that maybe style points are hurting them. I don't know. Is that a thing? Uh, but for, by the way, for what it's worth, Minnesota is the highest-ranked Ken Palm team with a losing record. Yeah. That tracks, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're right it's, about but efficiency numbers. Yeah, that's that's all it is. I mean, that's that's and, and I always have to throw that caveat out there because people see that and they're like, Why aren't you dropping him, Ken Palm? And Ken Palm's like, again, these are efficiency numbers. I do not factor in results of games, just efficiency numbers. Yeah. <laughs> Carolina probably is one of the highest ranked teams with their record. I mean, they're eighty five in Ken Palm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so um, yeah, and actually, yeah, I just looked up the stats. Only 16 of 137 ACC, t- ACC games have been blowouts, which is 19 or more points. Yeah. That feels low. It does. This time of year. Yeah, but, but like you said, there is no, you know, we don't have a Northwestern. We don't have a team that's just getting sort of tossed around and beaten up, even though I thought Miami was going to turn into that team. Um, but, you know, not not so. Yeah, I mean, really, like the last, I think in 2018, there was a team in the 200s, which was Pitt. Um, I think they've always had a team in the 200s. Kevin says hello from the grave. (laughs) Hello, Kevin. Yes. And, and, uh, but since then, I mean, the worst team last year was 174. But that was, last year was the ideal year because you still had six teams in the top 25. And that's not the case this year. No. Um, And you had, I think, I'm looking at it. Let's see, six, seven, eight, nine in the top 50. That's great. That's not the case this year. But when you look at where everybody is, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in the top, eleven in the top 100, and three more that are barely outside the top 100. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that it is what it is. But it's I don't 
this year in college basketball is dumb. This year um, is dumb. Last night was weird and dumb. It's all God. I don't know what Greensboro is going to be like. Boy, you got you got guys missing corner threes, and then this will get us to Wake Carolina. Um, I saw this stat thrown out there, and I have not double checked it, but I did see that um, Wake is undefeated so far in rematch games. Wow. Um, yeah, which surprised me. Um, and uh, the corner threes missing got me thinking about Christian Keeling and his long twos, although he did hit a, th- a few threes against Syracuse. Accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> oh, my God, that quote. That's, that just, a, that's I, an all-time ACC quote for this season. Like, he, yeah, he's, for those who, I, I think I might have said on this podcast, I'm not sure, but he literally said that he he said after, uh, uh, God, who did they beat at home? I don't even remember now. Um, um, State. Oh, <laughs> that, that he that he took a three by accident and he meant it to be a long two. He thought his foot was on the line. He said, I, I like, wanted what? my foot to be on the line. <laughs> right. It was intentional to take fewer points. OK. Huh. Um, but you know what? I mean, to cr- look, Christian, he's good at that shot. I don't know. I mean, I, I the, it defies analytics. Um and so does he. So good for Christian. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, look, Carolina looked great against Syracuse, but they have not. They, I think it's nine straight against Syracuse. And um, I, I just I hearken back to the days where everybody said Roy Williams couldn't coach offense against his zone. That oh that was a thing. I don't know if you remember that. I, um, I it can't, was, it's unfathomable to suggest now. It, right. Like and I think some of it is maybe like in the early days you had like Tyler Hansbro. Right. And he yeah. was not the best passer. Um, you got to have bigs that can pass. And I think like whether it's Kennedy Meeks, Bryce Johnson, um, even James Michael McAdoo was really good in that high spot, high post spot too, because he could hit that, he could hit that jumper. Like they've had guys that can really exploit. And PJ Harrison was such a good passer and so versatile. They would put him in that spot and he would just go to town, um, you know, finding cutters, finding shooters, um, creating like they, and they played great against Syracuse. They hit shots. I mean, you know that's that's the that's kind of the moral of the story right you got to hit shots you got to make shots um yeah i mean when they, no i mean they they when they played miami earlier this year miami went zone because they had like four guys nobody like on the roster managers. yeah exactly they honestly could have just thrown out jerseys before the game and been like come stand in the corner um they won't hit a three uh but yeah it's it, it they have evolved as far as the sorts of guys that they put in there they don't have the hands bros anymore if i remember correctly last year i think they might have even put like someone like a nasir little in there a little bit um cam Johnson, yeah that's right guys like they, they oh yeah so um but again wake is not going to play zone and wake you know this is still a carolina team where there's blood in the water so and i i do believe that your stat about uh wake being undefeated in in rematch games it tracks so carolina has yeah. had all of their streaks busted this year so maybe they can finally bust one of their own yeah seriously i mean wake has it doesn't have a winning streak of more than two games since um in 2020 so um and in fact two games is their longest win streak of 2020 um so, you know, who knows? Um, they've got two more rematches left, both big four games. Uh, everybody was two and two in the big four against each other uh, up to last night. Duke went to three and two and probably I would think would end up at four and two right. after Saturday. Right. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I was surprised to see Wake play the way they did against Notre Dame because coming off that Duke game, I just kind of thought, all right, they're still going to be feeling it. Um, they're going to have a letdown. And I like Notre Dame this year. Um, so they let me down. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Wake that confuses me is 
in addition to the, the rematches and they just are, a, they are as Jekyll and Hyde as a team, like more, more so than a Duke, more so than UNC. Like they either are 100% here ready to play and we're hitting our shots and Saar and Childress are doing their thing or they are not on the map. And Danny Manning looks like he is just out for coffee. Um, <laughs> and I don't know which of those you're going to get on any given night. Um, but I don't know. Danny Manning, Danny Manning, one enigma. Joe and I had this conversation recently. Um, I think at the Carolina State game in Chapel Hill, um, somebody tweeted that Danny Manning maybe deserved another year. And Joe just about like threw himself and his laptop off the upper deck of the Smith Center. <laughs> it's just, you know, I mean, the one thing you can say about him, and I've said it on this podcast before, is that he is very, he has a great track record at developing big men. I mean, every single big man he's had that's come through that program has gotten better and better and just done more than you ever. I mean, who would have thought Doral Moore would have turned into what he turned into? Yeah. You know, I mean, I I wouldn't have. And look at what Sar has done in his progression. I mean, he had 30 and 17 against Notre Dame. That's insane. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Carolina does not have a guy like that, obviously. So, no, um, it'll and I don't know if Baycott's going to play. Um so that'll be, you know, that'll be interesting to see how they match up with that. Maybe they can get him into foul trouble. I think that's their best hope and avoid fouling on the other side because Wake is so reliant on free throws. Um, that's a big part of their offense. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Carolina got on the offensive boards the first meeting um, and Sar. That's about didn't all they do did. <laughs> Sar didn't do anything in that game. No. Um, just looking at it, yeah, he had six points. I, I, um, I have a sneaky hot UNC take, and that is I don't think UNC is worse off when Armando Baycott plays less. Yeah, it's been a weird thing. I, I went on a Virginia radio show before Charlottesville last weekend, and on my way to Charlottesville, I actually pulled off in Jerry Falwell land in uh, Lynchburg. Okay. Yeah, because um, I was afraid I wasn't going to get reception if I went any further. But uh, he was asking me about Baycock. You know, he's a Virginia guy. And I was just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. Um, I feel like the tools are there and we've seen it at times. But if, for whatever reason, it's just not translating. Um, I, I'll be, uh, you know, I think at one point I thought he was a one and done. I don't think that anymore. Um, that doesn't mean he still won't go. I don't know that. But another year or so in this system and uh, the physical tools are there. They really are. Um, and Roy's been surprisingly gentle on him, I guess, just because of the way this season has played out and probably knowing what he needs psychologically. Right. Um, and I get that sense that being tough on him would not work as well as for instance, being tough on Bryce Johnson would have. Correct. Um, you know, so I, 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 I think he's approaching it kind of delicately with Armando. Um, but if they can get him right mentally, you know, he has all of the physical tools, but just mentally it's not, it's not clicking. Right. You know, I had someone in the UNC program describe him to me before the year, uh, before I even was in this position as somebody who was, you know, 20 going on 12. Um, I just don't. Yep. Yeah. I've I, heard that too. Right. I mean, he has the, he had, like you said, I, he has yeah. the body. I mean, he has the body. He's he's big enough. He's physical enough. I don't think he's well conditioned enough. Um, I think he gets gassed fairly easily, and I think that as soon as he does, those things start to slip because he might not. Yeah, the mental part slips first right. with R him. Yep. Right, exactly, and it shows pretty apparently. Um, he hasn't scored more than ten points since the weight game. He scored ten then, and then scored twelve against Duke. 
Um, he hasn't really put a lot together this month. Um, I, I just think that with those two big lineups, it, it clunks things up sometimes. And they have, and, and for Garrison, too. Right, exactly. Garrison, it seems, has much more space to operate otherwise, alternatively. But also, I think it opens things up for Cole Anthony more. Um, it opens up yeah. driving lanes. And, and the last thing, I mentioned the conditioning because he has not yet shown the ability to do anything in the secondary break. When that fast break you know, doesn't work and they have to have those bigs trailing and have them be able to hit a shot from the elbow, that is just entirely not his game right now. Um, no, nope. he's, he's not, he is like, he would look as comfortable as I would, uh, eight feet from the basket, you know, during a Duke UNC game. Um, so I, I, I like him. I still think that he has potential like you. I don't think there's any chance he's a one and done. And I really hope that just because of the recruits that UNC has coming in, I hope that he doesn't have someone in his ear pressuring him to make a bad decision. Um, which I think you do see sometimes, but he has the body, but I do like the way UNC has played when it got small. I think that they are better in transition. I think they look more like themselves. I think the ball movement is yeah. a lot more fluid. Um, you know, just overall, I think things flow a lot better and, and they suffer a little bit on the boards. I think that's fair to say. Um, yes. You know, he's a great rebounder. I think he's like top 60 in Ken Palm in defensive rebounding rate. But, yeah, he's a good rebounder. Mm -hmm. But that alone is not a reason to have a guy out there when everything else he's is a, something yeah. of an interruption. He's a liability at this point. He's an offensive foul, a game right now, and just and a dumb one too. Just, just like, what are you doing, dude? But right. yeah, I, I heard something similar about him. Um, except they used a word I don't really like, <laughs> <laughs> which was that he was soft. Um, I don't like that word. I think it's a little too simplistic of a diagnosis for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, but I understand why. And they only ever use it about big men. Only yeah. ever. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't love it. Um, but. I, I understand why it was used. Um, and just when things start going poorly, he can't, you know, he can't quite bounce back. So we'll see. Um, he has a lot of potential, though. So it'll be interesting to see what Carolina does tonight. Everybody was back on the Carolina train. And I'm like, y'all need to slow your roll, man. Yeah. Um, two, two games does not a revival make. No, 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 no. Um, Syracuse at BC. I don't want to. No, no, no. Nope. Gross. Nope. I don't think Jim I don't think Jim Beheim wants to. I don't either. That's don't, a whole. Whew. I don't know if he would rather uh, not play that game or not go to Greensboro altogether. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe a toss up, I guess. I mean, at least he can get good Italian in Greensboro, although he's not far. I don't know if, if when he they played at Wake like early in the ACC, like when he first joined, mm -hmm. they ate at this Italian place that he said was like one of the best Italian places he'd ever eaten at. So like in Winston-Salem. Uh, yeah, I forget what it was called. It has a weird name that makes no sense. Um, but he was like, I was, I was thinking like, well, dude, you're not that far from it. You can just head on up the road and go to your favorite little Italian place. As a Greensboro native, I don't have, um, I haven't been around the city as much, so I don't have any really super good food wrecks except yum yums. Um, yeah, I've never spent much time in Greensboro. Um, I also did not know that that was your hometown. So you know the things, yes. the things you learn, the more you know. Um, it's, it's, uh, I do like that we get to go to Greensboro though. I mean, selfishly, it's, it's so convenient for us. Um, I do think that it's always a great atmosphere. Um, this is the, this is the sort of season that Greensboro deserves to have the ACC tournament. Um, <laughs> it does. I think, I feel like this is a very weird year and Greensboro will embrace it for all of its ugly flaws. This is, um, it, it, I get, 
in my feelings a lot about it. It's like, and I didn't realize it until I think David Teal pointed out on the last podcast. It's the 25 year anniversary of like really when I fell in love with basketball, like at that 95 ACC tournament with Randolph Childress, Rashid Wallace, like just some great, great teams, some great, great games. And this, I, I used to go to all of them, you know, or, or at least most of them. Um, right. Cause we would get those ticket packages where you could go to everything and it was, you know, more accessible certainly than it, than it's become. But um, it was such a big part of my life growing up to go to this event and I saw some great basketball when I did. And, um, Oh, I feel, I felt like I was almost going to write this and I was like, this would be weird to write, but I did, I did have my first kiss that night of the ACC championship game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a so, place for romance. Right. <laughs> well, it wasn't like at the game. Oh, it was okay. after the game because my neighbors were all wake fans. Um, cause that was back in a time where that was way more of a thing. Um, because you know Tim Duncan, Randolph Childress, all that. But, right. Um, although to be fair, my next door neighbor, um, their dad did go to Wake Med School, so like it wasn't for no reason. But yeah. Um, you know, and they were all just celebrating, going crazy. They had a party, and yeah. So yeah, I, big I, night for me. I I also have <laughs> I, that is a very spicy story. I love it. Um, I also have a Greensboro uh, ACC tournament memory, although mine is like. It's that's like the last time that I went to like uh, a game with my dad. Um, we went to the 2014, the Jabari Parker. Um, yeah, we went to that championship game. I think that might that might have been Virginia's first, you know, under Tony Bennett. I, I think so. If I recall correctly, that um, sounds right. But we we scalped tickets and we just like sort of went on a whim and we had an absolutely awesome time. And uh, that was like the last basketball game I ever got to go to with my dad. So, um, oh, wow. So That's I love. Awesome. Yeah. So I love Greensboro um, for the ACC tournament. I'm excited for this year. I think that this is going to be a very weird tournament. Um, I know UNC fans are already writing like the five days in Greensboro 30 for 30 script. Um, <laughs> well, actually, probably not as much UNC fans as like the ones that uh, those of us that are just like around here and in the national media that are like, this could happen. And yeah. it's like, um, and even Carolina fans, I think at this point are like, ah, no. <laughs> Cole, Cole Anthony would have to be Kemba Walker reincarnate to, to yeah, have. that was always the theory, right? Right. You know? I mean, I do think he's probably got a shot to challenge for the ACC tournament scoring record. Um, oh, I could. I mean, if they play enough games, yeah, that's exactly that. They're gonna have to dance. <laughs> I mean, I will say I did see some brackets um, that I was like slightly intrigued by for them because I was like, oh, if they got to this game, I think they could absolutely do some damage. But again, that's a hard thing to do. So we'll see. It'll be fun though. I'm excited for it. Um, I don't want it to leave there, but I know it might um, eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, we can hit Wednesday real quick. Yeah. Um, Clemson at Virginia Tech, whatever. I Cle- mean, Clemson is. I've I've seen like the Clemson bubble argument on social media Cle- a little bit. I don't Clemson's going to lose. Yes, um, because this is what they do. They beat people <laughs> at home. Like the, this is this is what I think a little bit of what Kay's talking about. Now he was talking about scheduling, but I'm talking about Clemson is the epitome of a team that like harmed the ACC in the non-con and then gets into league play and is like, well, we're going to beat some people now. And it's like, wait, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. the only and, and if you are, why are you going to not continue to do it against teams that are not good? Do you, do you think that Clemson has any argument for being on the bubble? Given, uh, given, their, given their non-con and also the highlights of, the, I, they're the only team to beat Duke, Florida State, and Louisville. 
They're 73 in net. I don't really think so because of, um, and they're also, they're non-con for what it was. They were still 182 in non-con, which is oh. a stat that I know they like. It's not horrible, but it's not great. And if you go one and four in your quad one and twos in the non-con and then beat teams in the ACC, like, yes, it helps to beat those teams, but you need to take care of business against everybody else. And that's not what they've done. You know, I mean, they, they've had their chances um, yeah. to beat teams in the ACC. I mean, you y- Georgia Tech, they didn't play well. You know, they lose by double digits at Wake. Um, yeah. they lose to they lose to Notre Dame at home. I mean, that's the thing; their home losses are so dumb. Yeah, Miami. Like, Ugh. like, like you could make the case, right? Like they 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 beat State, Duke, Syracuse, Wake, Louisville, and Florida State at home. You could make like all but one of those teams at least recently had a case for the NCAA tournament. Right. But then they like they lost at home to Miami, like you said, uh, Notre Dame. Virginia Tech. And, yep. Like, that's... What are you doing? Yeah. So, so, yeah. You, so you're out on the, the Clemson bubble conversation. I am out, yeah. Especially if we're talking about them in the same sentence as, like, an NC State. I just think NC State's been way more consistent even in a year where they've had some disappointing results. So, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. Does, does them being out... What do you? How do you feel about Brownell? Do you think that Brownell is feeling <laughs> toasty under under his no, behind? no, for like so many reasons. But like, and I actually had an argument with Joe Giulio on Twitter. I mean, not an argument. We just yeah. had like two tweets exchange because um, he was even telling me today uh, yesterday that he was arguing with me on the radio, but I wasn't. I wasn't in the, on the radio. That day, but, <laughs> um, he was saying Brad Brownell's done the best coaching job, and um, he's like he had no business winning these types of games with this roster. And I'm like, yeah, but he built this roster and Leonard Hamilton built his roster and Tony Bennett built his roster and they've done way better with what they have. And they lost a lot too. Um, you know, it's not like this has been out of Brownell's control. Right. Um, it, it, to a degree. So, you know, and I would have more sympathy for them if they'd won some of those games that they should have won. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. So, yeah. if, uh, you if, know, if, I, I, if they're 17 and 11, you know, if you flip those Virginia tech and those Miami losses, I do think that there's an entirely yes. different argument to be made. Yes, absolutely there is, but they didn't. And right. and that's the thing. Like, congrats on all your quad one wins, but in the ACC, <laughs> but like you didn't get them in the non-con and you have lost some stupid games and not looked really good at times. Like they either look really good or awful. I mean, right. there's like no in between with them. So have, I got no have fun in the time NLT. for it. Pretty much. Um FSU at Notre Dame, definitely intriguing because FSU um has itself in a good spot right now, but you know, there's nothing you know, there's nothing to say they couldn't lose a game like this. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think that I like this team a lot. I mean, I'm sure you do, too. And yes. losing at Clemson is whatever. I mean, you know, they'll beat Boston College at home to end the year. So really, the Notre Dame team, the Notre Dame game, I think will will decide things because yeah. um, du- Duke's not going to lose to Carolina. I don't think. No, so. I don't think so either. This, I mean, this is, you know, it's it's conference seating to me. Um, I mean, they still, I guess, technically have a, have a chance to be on the two line. Um, I, I really like this Florida State team. I mean, yeah. when they played Duke, it was as grinded out, physical, ugly a game as I could have imagined. And, and frankly, it, it came down to that sort of controversial Matt Hurt rebound um, where he may or may not have, you know, had an over the back. Uh, but ends up getting the rebound instead, I, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah, it, for me too, it came down to really the fact that like they're like a really good free throw shooting team, and for whatever reason, teams don't make free throws against Duke. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> free throw defense, baby. 
Um, yeah, and they they missed a ton of free throws. They missed some shots. They they left a lot on the table in that game. I mean, they 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 did. Um, but if they win on Wednesday, they I think they take the regular season for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I like you know, in addition to the length and the size, I just think that Vassal and Trent Forrest are, um, you know, Trent Forrest should have been on the defensive player of the year finalist list it's ridiculous that he wasn't absolutely and Udoka Azubuki absolutely should have too from Kansas um but those you know those lists are those lists can be crap so I try yeah I mean Trey Jones uh, you know he he I I like Trey I think he's a good defender I think that his defense has suffered some from what he's had to do offensively I 100% Um, agree and I don't think he's had the year that he did last year as a defender he just hasn't so it to me that felt like a reputation pick to put him on there especially over Forrest who I think has been the best defender at the guard spot this year yeah um and he and he's a bucket too I mean he's he's those two are the sort of guards who can win games in March so um and that's you know aside from the physicality aside from the free throw shooting aside from Hamilton being a great coach um so yeah I really like this team the Notre Dame game intrigues me um you know that is probably the game that I'll be watching I mean, well, let's let's move on <laughs> because now we have Virginia at Miami. I know my Virginia friends who I spent time with in Charlottesville this past weekend, and I love going there once a year if I can. Um, great hospitality from my buddies up there, and it's a nice, it's a really nice arena. Um, I, you've been in a ton of arenas now. I don't know where you'd rank it. JPJ is one of my favorites, and it has been ever since I was in college. Um, yeah, it that place gets loud, and I like I like the way that it's configured. Um, yes, me too. I, you know, even the, the media seating is fine, uh, but that place gets loud, like loud, loud for a building that size. Um, you know, it is as loud as four Wake Forests in JPJ. Uh, so I, but, but uh, this game doesn't do a ton for me. I don't know about you. This is one where you'll need to monitor and maybe turn over late. Um, maybe get the second TV on because Miami at home. Um, I mean, Miami had been on a three-game winning streak before they lose by double digits at Notre Dame, lose at Georgia Tech. Um, they had been playing well. Um, they've played well at home um, for the most part, certainly way better than they've played on the road. Um, took Florida State to OT there. Um, lost an 11-point game against NC State that they did get snug late, but um, most of their ACC wins have come there, um, and they've been frisky there. So it's a game where, you know, if Virginia's not hitting shots or whatever, you know, that could be – it could definitely give them a little bit of trouble because um, they play way better there. So That's that'll fair. be – it'll be worth monitoring. I, like I said, I know my Virginia friends are worried about it um, because it feels like the type of game that, you know, has trap written all over it, especially sandwiched between Duke and Louisville. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean – I, I still think they should win, but it's the ACC this year, so who knows? Um, yeah, I think Tony Bennett's really figuring it out. I think he's, you know, I think he's got those guys to buy into what their roles are. Um, yeah, they could still, in theory, win the league, which is insane, absurd. Yeah, we our uh, our Virginia writer for the Athletic, Eamon Brennan. Um, you know, he, the title of his story after the Duke Virginia game that got Virginia within the game of the ACC title was "Is this Tony Bennett's masterpiece?" Um, I don't know if I 100% am on board with that, but I mean, he's done as much with as little as anybody in the league this year. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, Oh, Pitt at Georgia Tech. Oh, boy. So Georgia Tech Um, finally has waved the white flag. 
I'm slightly disappointed because actually, like when I've been going on radio shows and stuff, I have been sort of identifying Georgia Tech as that team that could potentially have come out of nowhere and make some noise in the ACC tournament. But and I had to do a quick write up about it last night, um, right at the start of the Duke game, okay, Duke State game. But and so when I did that, I sort of realized like, oh, it actually makes way more sense for them to do this because they were at risk of getting another postseason ban next year. And I didn't know that they have one senior on this team. That's it? Is it yeah. Banks? It's Banks? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, and they already were one of the more experienced teams in the league in terms of um, min- minutes continuity, I believe. So, um, and we've seen that at times play itself out. So, like, this is a team that, assuming they don't get a ton of defections, you know, this is Passner's time to, okay, like, put up or shut up, dude. Like, yeah. now you got to get them in the tournament. And if they had risked a postseason ban next year, you know, for this season, like, that would have made no sense. So. Right, right. I mean, next year with DeVoe and, and Moses, they'll uh, – the, and, and Alvarado, I th- yeah, obviously he's back again too. Um, when they were fully healthy this year, I didn't hate them. I'm sort of sad that they're – not we're not going to see them um this feels very much like a break that and i saw this on unc twitter last night feels like a, a break for the tar heels who like maybe now have a chance to play their way somehow out of playing on tuesday um i will still be in greensboro on tuesday because hotels uh i'll be doing a game on the radio on tuesday oh will you yeah i've I, that's a it'll be my third year doing color um with the wonderful patrick Keenis. um who, if you've never heard him do anything, you should at least tune in for that. These games should be on 99.9 The Fan. And um, you can hear me uh, make a noise so loud that evidently they could not replay it. Um, <laughs> when Bonzi Colson uh, banked in that three last year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, watching Notre Dame always puts me... Or two years ago, sorry. But watching Notre Dame always puts me in my feelings. Um, and yeah, it was no different Yeah, um, when that happened. But... Um, yeah, it's fun and I'll be doing some of that and maybe I'll get UNC, who knows? We'll see with game times and whatnot, but um, I'll be there. Um, and I love that I don't think it's starting until... I, I, is it going to be later than 2 o'clock now? Uh, I had heard something about that. I'd need to double check it. Um, but I mean, that'd be great. Yeah, it, I, I wouldn't complain, certainly. Um, yeah. But then, you know... We, I, I'm, I was so happy that we had this last little stretch of set. You said last night was late and it sort of was, even though it was seven o'clock, but like, man, did I need a break from those nine o'clock tips? Whew, yeah. Whew. So, um, yeah, it, it's too much. Yeah. But anyway, um, completely yeah. off topic. <laughs> well, uh, bef- before I get you out of here, since I know a lot of Virginia fans listen to this podcast, um, I, you went up early and turned off Twitter um, for a few, for how long were you in Charlottesville? Yeah. So, uh, my girlfriend and I went up Thursday afternoon. She took a half day of work on Thursday and we both took Friday off and I worked in the car on the way up while she drove and actually had an interview, uh, for a story that I have coming out later this week, um, that like cut in and out of the call three separate times while we were driving. Um, yep. That sounds right. Yep. Uh, but so we got up there about Thursday around like maybe four in the afternoon. So we had all night Thursday, all day Friday, um, most of the morning and afternoon on Saturday. And then uh, we didn't leave until the afternoon on Sunday. So we were up in Charlottesville for, for I would say, the better part of like three-ish days. Um, absolutely loved it. It was like my second time there, her first time. Charlottesville was amazing. Um, we did some great hiking, uh, you know, stayed right near close to the mall. Um 
had some great meals. Citizen Burger. I went there last time I was there. Um, yeah, I did. T- I went there last time too. It was very good. I love Citizen. Um, it's becoming a, a go-to. And yeah, it was just overall a really great time. Great experience. I think it's a really fun town. I think it's super underrated. Um, she was like, this is like a more fun, bigger Chapel Hill. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> well, and the camp, the campus is very much like Spider-Man meme. Right. When you're on Virginia's campus, you're like, wow, you're pointing at each other. Like it's the same thing. Right. And Um, it has that feel. It does. And like I told you, we on Saturday morning went for a run. And by we, I mean, she went for a run and I sort of like. It was so cold. Tried behind. Oh, it was brutal. It was. Although the Virginia people did tell me it was colder than it had been. Cause I was like, you guys, this is too cold. And they were like, yeah, it's way colder than it's been. I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, but we, we went, uh, we went hiking in that cold. It was still an awesome time. We did the Crabtree's Falls Trail, which is like, uh, I think, a 1,200-foot waterfall or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I like going up there. Charlottesville is one of my favorite ACC destinations. Um, certainly not a bad place to take off. And it's a great recharge before March. I needed that. And uh, so, yeah, feeling very fortunate to have been able to do that. And everyone in Charlottesville was fantastic. So. Yeah, I had a great time. And thanks, as always, to Caroline Darney for her wonderful hospitality. Um, We ended up having to stay at a hotel the first night because she was having plumbing issues at her house and had like a little hard seltzer party and went out for dinner. And just I know, right? Just a lovely, lovely evening. She bought a bunch of them for like a story she was doing on ranking them. So we had we had a real sampler platter. Um, Bud Light Seltzer. Not bad. Really? I'm surprised. I was was surprised. I I was surprised to feel it. You know, I was like, okay, this is not this is not horrible. Um, So strong showing from you, Bud Light. Last last Uh, question for you. Is that where you watched Love is Blind? Because I'm currently in the middle of it. So so actually, no. We started that when Caroline was here a couple weeks ago for Caroline in Virginia. Okay. Um, And we felt like it was on Netflix. We were like, oh, let's see what this is all about. And we were all like, what is this? Like, this is bananas. We didn't revisit it for a while, but I saw Caroline had been like binge watching it. So my husband and I hopped back in and we were like, oh, my God. And everybody all like seriously. And I I love these Charlottesville people, but we spent, I would say, 70 percent of the weekend talking about Love is Blind. And (laughs) some of us had finished it. Some of us hadn't. But we were just like going on and on about how bananas it was. Um, And it is. If you think it's crazy now, it's only going to get crazier. I think I'm like six episodes in. They've just moved into, you know, this is they've just moved in together. Um, buckle so, up. I am so ready. I, I love it so much. After that, after the Duke Virginia game, uh, my girlfriend and I stayed up till like two o'clock watching. Yes. Watching this is my husband and I. Yes. <laughs> and like, I, I haven't, I haven't watched it separately from him. So like, I wasn't going to binge it while I was in Charlottesville or anything. Although we did almost start it because, uh, Caroline's friend, Missy, who was staying with us, um, she hadn't seen any yet. We all, we thought about it, but we were like, no. And she, she was going to go home and binge it. And she, she has. So I ha- we have an open DM thread going about Love is Blind. Yes. Um, uh, and it's amazing. Um, but yeah, it, buckle up because it's only going to get crazier. Um, but it infects your brain. Oh, God. And, and it's dumb. I mean, it's dumb, but it's fun. Um, I can do that and not The Bachelor at this point. So. Yeah, I've, I've never done The Bachelor. This is like my first foray into reality TV. So um, I am... I am liking it well, a this lot is quite the I intro too yeah because <laughs> it is bananas yeah um all right enough love is blind talk um i will get you out of there on that and i'll come to y'all later in the week with a preview of the last weekend uh brendan thanks so much of course thanks for having me bye everybody mm-hmm.